Well, hey, long time no see. My name's still Catherine. Still the youth and family pastor here at All Souls. Um, good morning. I'm glad you're here. If you're new and you're visiting with us, hey, welcome. Come say hi to me um, after the service. I love to meet new people. It's one of my favorite things. Um, you can also still come say hi to me if I already know you, for what it's worth. That's totally fine, too. Um, I am excited to come and finish this last chunk this morning of Mark chapter 5. And um, before we kick off, I want to say a thank you to Stephen, who is doing something. He's setting up donuts, I think, in the lobby. Um, you picked the right service to come to, by the way, because 9 o'clock didn't get donuts. Um, but I want to say thank you to Stephen, because a couple of months back, as we were looking at the liturgical calendar for the year, um, we originally had me preaching last week on the first chunk of chapter five and Stephen preaching this week, which is a family Sunday celebrating our graduates. Um, and then like six weeks ago, Stephen was like, hey, you know what I was thinking? I think it might make more sense for you to talk on Youth and Family Sunday. I was like, I think you're right. Um, so thanks, Stephen, for that. Uh, also, if you weren't here last week, the beginning part of Mark 5, that passage, uh, has to do with exorcisms. And today's passage has to do with the faith of the parents of a middle school girl. So, seems much more in my line than exorcisms, just for what it's worth. Um, so again, all good news. Glad you're here. Welcome to church. If you're like, dude, they talked about exorcisms last week, allsoulsfellowship.org, go to sermons, you can listen to it. It was great. Um, this morning, we're going to jump right in. We're looking at the second chunk of Mark chapter 5, verses 21 through 43. You can follow along in the worship guide, or in your Bible, or in your Bible app, or you can just listen. But this, friends, is the word of God. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was at the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all that she had. Yet, instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, the disciples answered, and yet you ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, do not be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. 
but they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were there with him and went in to where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Gracious God, we come to you this morning and ask for open eyes to see, open ears to hear, and open hearts to reflect on this passage, on this word that you have given to us today. Lord, allow us to see what it is that you have planned for us and how you desire for us to follow you. In your name and for your glory. Amen. All right. This is me, so it's going to be interactive. By a show of hands, how many of you like sandwiches? Don't be, yes, you guys are my people. Okay, interactive. Why? Somebody raised their hand and said they like sandwiches. Why do you like them? Yeah. They're delicious. Yes, thank you. We had a kid in first service who was like, they make you fat. I was like, okay. This is what happens when you go impromptu with a fourth grader. Yes, why do you like sandwiches? Because they're easy to make. There is something true to be said about that. 100% agree. Even if you're a terrible cook, you probably can make a sandwich. I like that. That's smart. Anybody else? Yeah, Mia. Yeah, variety, right? You have I know, you got options. Uh, we like options, right? We like options, they're delicious, they're easy to make. Slam dunk, you guys are my people. Um, I, I love sandwiches. I love any combination of sandwiches and I think about why I love sandwiches. First of all, I love bread, duh, right? And honestly, I like most of the things you put in between sandwiches, right? Lunch meat, condiments, cheese, vegetables, which might be like, eh, don't ruin a sandwich with vegetables, but uh, whatever, right? And then more bread, like this is like the winningest thing possible, right? We love sandwiches and they're delicious. It's an excellent, easy way for me to get deliciousness straight into my body. Um, and it's cool, this, this, there is a point, by the way, um, but I think the gospel writer here, Mark, I think he likes a good sandwich because there is a phrase that my very fancy seminary PhD educated husband told me, um, Mark and sandwiches, he uses sandwiches all the time when Mark tells his story. And I was like, there's a phrase for that? Yes, friends, in fact, there is. So today, we're gonna to be looking at these two stories that the Gospel of Mark tells us, the story of Jairus and his daughter, and the story of the woman bleeding. And then we go back to Jairus. We are looking at a sandwich. So hopefully, that will help you follow along. We're gonna learn in this sandwich about who Jesus is and what he wants from us. So these stories here, kind of at the beginning chapters of Mark, the ones that we've been going through the last couple of weeks, show Jesus's authority. He commands and calms the storm by simply talking, right? We remember that story. So Jesus's authority over nature. He commands and dispels demons from a man. He has authority over evil. And today we learned that he commands and he heals a middle school girl, and Jesus has authority over death itself. So let's look at the first part of our sandwich. I would say the top part of our bread, but you don't build a sandwich from top down. You build it from bottom up. And I realized that in first service, 
So this is the bottom part of the bread of our sandwich, the first part. Um, Verses 21 through 24, we meet a man named Jairus. The Bible tells us that Jairus was a leader in the synagogue. Uh, This doesn't mean that he was a preacher, right? He wasn't a trained pastor or anything like that, Um, but this means he was the person in charge of the building. So supervising worship, making sure the building was taken care of, that the people were where they were supposed to be, that everything was in its place. He's kind of like the CEO of the synagogue. And he would have been known by everybody in the community. He would have been held in pretty high regard. Um, And because where they lived was this Galilean port town, it would have been a pretty large community, probably several thousand people. So Jairus is well known and his family is well known, including his daughter. And then she gets sick. So Jairus does what any parent would do. He hears that Jesus, this teacher and this healer that has performed miracles all throughout the area, he's pretty popular, he's pretty well known at the time, is gonna come back to his town. So when Jesus arrives, Jairus runs to him and he asks, he begs him to come and save his dying daughter. And Jesus agrees and they start walking along with lots and lots and lots of people. And in the middle of this huge crowd of people, when I say huge crowd of people, I mean like we're talking like pre-social distancing, shopping mall, Black Friday, 2006, trying to get your hands on a Tamagotchi kind of groups of people. Or if you're like, I don't know what a Tamagotchi is. Like, do you remember in the 80s when everybody needed a Cabbage Patch at all? That kind of thing before Amazon? Yeah. Several of you are like, yes, I know what kind of crowds you're talking about. Explain it to your children later. Um, this is a large group of people. And then in the middle of this, we meet the middle part of our sandwich. We meet the next person. This is a woman who has been bleeding for 12 years. Now the Bible doesn't tell us exactly how she was sick. We don't know why she was bleeding, but we do know that she spent all of her time and her money going from doctor to doctor to doctor to try and get better, and she didn't. And at that time, under Jewish law, if someone was bleeding, they were considered unclean. And this is not the kind of unclean that could be fixed with a bath. This was the kind of unclean that prevented her from being part of her community. Because of her illness, this woman was not allowed to go into the synagogue. She was not allowed to worship. She wasn't allowed to have friends in her community. Nobody wanted to be associated with her. She couldn't sit down at a table with people and share a meal. She couldn't have relationship, nothing. This woman could not be more opposite of Jairus. He can't go any higher in his status and she can't get any lower. She was alone, she was desperate, and she had run out of options. But when she heard that Jesus, this healer and this teacher had performed miracles all throughout the area would be back in her town, She runs to see him, just like Jairus. Now their approach to Jesus is very different, right? Jairus and the woman who's bleeding. Jairus can get through the crowd to get a face-to-face, a one-on-one with Jesus. In all likelihood, people in the crowd turned and saw him and kind of like stepped out of the way to let this like important guy go through, right? They're crowded and they're like, oh, oh, yeah, no, go ahead, dude, go ahead. Right, that's the image that I have in my mind. Um, The woman, however, is super definitely not that. She doesn't want to be noticed. All she wants is to be healed and to leave. She doesn't want any attention on her. She doesn't want anyone to talk to her or get her to sign up for something. She doesn't want to talk to a pastor after the service. She doesn't want to be followed. She doesn't want anything. She just wants to come and be healed and leave. 
She wants to be rid of this disease that has stopped her from being able to be in community, that has stopped her from having friends, that has stopped her from living her life. And she has faith. Look with me at verse 28. It says, she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Now, this is the kind of faith that seems a little bit more like magic, right? It has to do with like the physical proximity to Jesus. And that physical proximity will be the thing that heals you or that makes you righteous. And we know later from reading the stories of the disciples who were people who were in very close physical proximity to Jesus um, for most of his adult life, uh, they, they are epic failures at most of the things, honestly, <laughs> that they try and do. Clearly, physical proximity does not equal righteousness because Thomas exists. <laughs> and that didn't work out well for him. Not at the beginning. He gets redeemed. It's fine. Jesus wins. But we know that that's not true. Yet that's what this woman believes, that physical proximity will be the thing that brings healing. But the way that Jesus responds to this woman's faith is, is key. This is like the essence. This is like the meat. This is like the good part of the middle of the sandwich, right? It's the part that shows us who Jesus really is and what he really wants from us. So let's look again, starting at verse 28. If I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. And immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Jesus knows. Jesus knows. He can feel that power has gone out from him and it's different. Now they're walking in a large crowd, right? Bumping, pushing against each other. But when Jesus feels this woman touching his clothes, not even him, he stops moving forward and he turns to look and find her. The disciples think this man is out of his mind. Jesus is like, who touched me? And the disciples are like, bro, like a million people. Like, are you kidding me? Like, we're on our way to do a thing. Like, everybody touched you. Let's keep going, right? But Jesus knows something here is different. And I think that Jesus knows that he has to talk to the woman to make sure she really understands what happened. That she knows that it was the power of God that healed her. So this woman does what I imagine any sane person would do when Jesus stops in the middle of a giant throng of people and then calls you out. Um, she panics. Right? Um, you know when like your mom and dad catch you doing something? That's not like super terrible, but it's like also not the thing you're supposed to do. Like you're eating dessert and there's still broccoli on your plate kind of vibes right? You know that? Um, that's kind of, this woman is like, ah, right? And she starts to kind of like shudder. She's like, oh my gosh, he knows, he knows, he knows. How did she know? How did they know? They know, right? Parents, Jesus, they know. So she comes forward. She's like, I gotta come clean. I confess. I fall at my feet. And Jesus says to her the most powerful and equally the most confusing words to her. He says, daughter, your faith has healed you. And this is important for two reasons. One, he calls her daughter. Is this woman Jesus' daughter? Not a trick question. Is this woman Jesus' daughter? No, she's not. It's weird, right? But this is a sign of closeness. She's an outcast in this community. But the God of the universe is declaring her and defining her as a member of the family of God. And by her hearing Jesus say this, she knows that she is not to be afraid because she belongs. 
And second, Jesus lets her know that it's her faith that has healed her, not anything else. And this is key because Jesus wants her to know that it's not like he's wearing like a magic robe or something. It's not like she was able to crawl and be physically close to Jesus and that's why she was healed. No, it's because of her faith. It makes me wonder, like, how often do we make that same mistake in our lives? We think that proximity to Jesus is going to be the thing that gets us something, right? If we just, like, come to all the Sunday things, or we just read the Bible, or we just do good stuff, or whatever, like, modern-day version of I just need to touch his robe, whatever that is for you, then all my problems will be fixed. But Jesus wants us to know that the actual thing that brings healing and the actual thing that brings peace, it's faith. That's the means by which we are saved. It's coming to Jesus in faith that he is the ruler of all things. And the Greek word here that we translate into English as healing is the same word for a spiritual restoration. So it's not just like a physical healing, but her soul has also received the power of God and she has been saved. And I don't know about you, but I find great comfort in this because um, every single one of us come to Jesus with stuff right? We come with misunderstandings about who he is and what he can do for us. The flaws and those misunderstandings for this woman, they were like mystical, right? Like, oh, it's just about the clothing. Oh, it's just about the physical proximity. Maybe that's something that you relate to, right? Or maybe the kind of thing that you come to Jesus with has to do more of uh, growing up in a works-based kind of an environment, and you have an unmet expectation of what that is supposed to look like. Or maybe there's confusion because the gospel that you've heard has been twisted into an idea of prosperity and you're wondering why things keep falling short. Or maybe it's because the thing that you keep falling into that you keep thinking you're repenting of but then you fall into it again and it's just really confusing and you're not really, under you're not really sure why it keeps going back in this cycle and it's just, maybe that's your stuff. But the good news here that we learn from this woman is that it isn't the strength of our faith that saves us. It's the simple question of whether or not our faith is in the right place. Is our faith in Jesus or is our faith in an article of clothing? Is our faith in Jesus or is it in the stuff that we do? Is our faith in Jesus or is it in the amount of Bible that you have memorized and the knowledge that you have acquired? Is it in Jesus or is it in the financial security you have from the work that you do? Is your faith in Jesus or is it in your relationships with your friends or with your family? The question we have to ask is, have we fully submitted to Christ so that whether we are rich or poor, sick or healthy, we come to him knowing that nothing else will satisfy the desires of our hearts and the desperate longing in our souls. Your faith in Jesus is what saves you. And this is so important. So important, in fact, that Jesus stops in the middle of a crowd on his way to do a very good and a very important thing to remind this woman and to remind us. So let's get back to our sandwich, right? The whole crowd is now stopped. Jesus is interacting with this woman, and we get to the top part of the bread and the sandwich, because do you know who's still standing in the crowd? Jairus. Again, not a trick question. Interactive. We can do this. Jairus is still standing there. And I imagine, something like that, right? Honestly, um, I, he's probably pretty annoyed, right? Like, um, Jesus, hey, uh, Jesus, uh, we were on our way 
to go do a really important thing for me. Why are we stopped? Why are we still talking? Kids, I'm sure you never have experienced this when your mom and dad are in the lobby after church and all you want to do is go home and have lunch or play Roblox or whatever it is that you do, right? Roblox, see, I saw that fist bump. I know you, right? And you're like, I don't want to talk to them. I don't want you to talk to them. Stop talking to them. And then they try and engage you in conversation and you just like melt to the floor. I'm a two and a half year old. This is my life, right? So let's go back here in scripture, verse 35. Jesus is in the middle of this conversation and we learn of the unfortunate fate of Jairus' daughter. She has died. It's likely that when Jairus first came to Jesus, right, when they met at the lakeshore, there were other people from his household that came with him, right? And they found out, Jairus was like, hey, can you heal my daughter? Jesus is like, sure. And Jairus is like, go tell him. And these other people are like, back to the household, right? And they're telling Jairus's wife and they're telling all the other people there, like, guys, don't worry. We talked to Jesus. He's coming. She's going to be okay. And everybody, praise be, right? And so now they're like, and we wait. And they're waiting for Jesus. And they're waiting for Jesus. Like, she's going to be all right. She's going to heal her. But Jesus takes too long. And because of that, the daughter of one of the town's most important people dies. I cannot imagine how Jairus feels. First of all, he's not there when his daughter dies. He's not there. And second... She dies because the guy who is supposed to heal her is taking too long to talk to somebody who doesn't even want to talk to him. If I were Jairus, I'd be pretty upset at Jesus. But Jesus interrupts and says, do not be afraid. Just believe. Verses 37 through 40 tell the story of what's happening at Jairus' house when Jesus and Jairus and those three disciples arrive. And Jesus comes in and says, the girl's not dead, but asleep. And the people laugh at him. They're like, we know the difference. Do you not think we checked? They don't believe him. They know the girl is dead, but Jesus walks into the room where she is laying and tells her to get up. And this phrase, Talitha kum, is actually Aramaic which is the language that Jesus and his disciples would have spoken. Mark does not translate this into Hebrew, which I just think is like super cool. Um, And this means like little girl, get up. And this translation, this using of the phrase little girl isn't just like a a factual statement, right? It's not like you are a little girl, get up. Um, But this is like the same kind of phrase of belonging when Jesus calls the bleeding woman daughter. So this is like Jesus saying to her like, sweetheart, honey, get up. It's a verbal understanding and acknowledgement that Jesus knows this little girl. And we see this last representation here of Jesus's power, and it's the power that defeats death itself. Jesus is undoing death. He's essentially saying like, yo, when I walk into a room, watch what happens. Because in my presence, death, it's like sleeping. It's not final. And what seems like a human impossibility is nothing for the ability of God. Jesus has authority over storms and seas and demons and healing and death itself. And Jairus' daughter comes back to life 
but nothing in that story played out the way Jairus expected it. Jairus didn't want Jesus' power to be revealed when his daughter died. But that's the plan that Jesus had for Jairus. Jesus' plan for his life is so much bigger than his own plan. Jesus' agenda and plan for your life is better than the best plan that you can possibly put together for your own life. It is deeper. It is richer. It is bigger. It is for eternal good. But friends, sometimes it hurts. God's goodness, his holiness, his purposes for us as a child of God, as a believer in Christ, sometimes include death. Maybe actual death, death of dreams, death of pride, death of dreams and expectations, death of jobs, death of relationships, death of friendships. But we're called to remember that God's love for us, his grace and his power, these are not things that are incompatible with suffering because his purpose for us is faith transforming us and cleansing us and bringing us back into the community of faith from the inside out when we have been cast aside. The story, right, the miracle sandwich of Jairus' daughter and the woman who was bleeding, this is our reminder that God overcomes everything. That the power of Jesus that calms the storm and heals a woman and raises a child from the dead is the same power that we have through the Holy Spirit, given to us by Jesus Christ himself. God takes death and he takes disease and he uses it to accomplish our salvation. He does that himself through his own death on the cross. Our faith in Jesus' death and burial and resurrection, that's what cleanses us from sin. And we are raised to life in Christ if we just believe. And as Christians, we celebrate, remember, and we put our hope in this. Amen.